Welcome to Emerge Dynamics. Emerge Dynamics. The podcast for those who manage and invest in middle market private companies across the globe. globe. We're telling the stories of the unsung champions who take enormous risks every day to weave the fabric of our societies. Those who collectively, from the multi-trillion dollar largest market on the planet, we're diving into the dynamics of what makes some of them emerge from their peers and create incredible returns and impact on their communities. This is Emerge Dynamics. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Emerge Dynamics podcast. I'm David Cusimano here with Eric Wingerter. Hi folks. And today we have a very special guest who we are going to introduce here in just a second. This is someone who Eric and I have had the great pleasure of getting to know and working with and visiting. She's currently in Trinidad and Tobago and originally from Africa. We're going to let her tell her story as to how she's ended up, where she's ended up. We wanted to talk with her, not only because she's doing amazing things, but also as we have done our recent episodes on the value builder drivers, she is someone who has been using them, has been learning about them and using them and working with business owners with them and doing it in a culture different than the United States. So I think it's just fascinating, Eric, to see that the things that we talk about aren't only applicable in this culture that you and I are so familiar with, but these are globally applicable. Cultures are, of course, different. Of course, people communicate differently, but these are principles that are Part of all human beings. That's exactly correct. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Eric, before we bring Lottie on, anything else to set her up or anything else to set up? No, no, David, I think you did a great job with that. But I will just emphasize she's a wonderful person, wonderful individual, and we have really, really enjoyed getting to know her over the last couple of years, for sure. With that, Lottie, welcome to the podcast. Hi, David. It's great and happy for me to be here. Hey, Lottie. Hi, Eric. Great Good to, to hear, hear from you. Thanks for making the time to be here with us today and to chat with us. We definitely want to ask you some questions about some of the value builder, value drivers that you've become familiar with. But could you just give us a quick background about who you are, what do you do, how you came to be where you are, just so folks can get to know you just a little bit. Thank you, David. I just want to say to you and Eric that it's a great pleasure and I consider this a wonderful opportunity for me to be here this morning. So it's quite an honor. Yes, as you previously said, I am originally from northern Nigeria, Africa. I am here in Trinidad and Tobago. I've been here since the year 2000. How I got to be here, I got married. It's as simple as that. I met my husband in Nigeria wonderful man. And I followed him here to Nigeria just under a year after we got married. I followed him here to Trinidad. And uh, I've been here having a tremendous time since I came here. Wonderful. Lottie, tell us a little bit about the current entity that you are working with. And you've recently added the Value Builder System to the program there, the NCB or the Network for Christians in Business. Yes, I currently work with the Network of Christians in Business. I'm an executive director as well as a coordinator. It is a business support network platform for Christian entrepreneurs. 
of different sizes across different industry sectors. I want to quickly add that I've worked with in the business sector, both on the supply as well as the demand side from Africa for over two decades. I'm very familiar with working with small business, small and medium-sized businesses. So the NCB, the Network of Christians in Business, like I said, is a support network for Christian entrepreneurs in Trinidad as well as in Tobago. As you are aware, we are a twin island nation. So we have both members from Trinidad as well as in Tobago as well. It's a loose membership network in the sense that the criteria for being a member is that you have a business and you are Christian and you want to do business successfully to the glory and the honor of God. So our activities basically are business training, mentoring, one support, technical, some forms of technical assistance. So our membership, in terms of active members, sorry, we have slightly over 50 active members, and then we have lots more. In terms of active, we talk about those who are active participants in all of the events and all of the activities that we have going on on the network. However, we have several other members who may not be that active. Most of the time is because of the type of businesses that they run. What would you say is the employee base that your members represent? How many employees in aggregate? It's a mixture. We have about 10% of them that employ over 10 employees. And then I would say that we have about 25% of them that have up to five employees, and then the rest of them are more or less solo entrepreneurs. And Adi, I know, well, get back to the introduction of Value Builder Program. This has been now working with the NCB members and others outside of the network, because I know you do work with entities outside of the NCB network as well. But it's been about a year and a half that you've been working or incorporated the Value Builder Program into the business training that you do. At the NCB? Oh, yes, it's just over a year now. And you're right in terms of using the value builder system for entrepreneurs, non faith entrepreneurs of different sizes outside of the platform as well. As a matter of fact, most of our interaction has been outside of our base in terms of the value builder. So, Lottie, we just finished a few episodes talking about the various value builder drivers. And we talked about we really love the way that the value builder system has defined these things. And there could be other ways to define them. It's not the definitive answer to all business value, but it's a great framework for talking through how to quantifiably improve the value of a business. Love to hear, are there examples or stories that you've come across in the last year and a half? Are there some of your favorite drivers or things that you've seen as the biggest issues with businesses you've worked with before that maybe have been the biggest opportunities to help them improve? Yes, there are several examples, but I just quickly want to start with the network itself. Incidentally, I don't think I've ever mentioned this to you and uh, David and Eric. We've been using the assessment. We've been leveraging that assessment, the value builder assessment for our members, and it has been pointing them to a lot of things that they ought to be doing and are not doing. I'm not sure if you remember, recall, the value builder assessment has a set of questions. And many times you find as the questions are asked, the entrepreneur, the entrepreneur begins to think that, hmm, 
this is something that I'm not doing. And this is something even before we get to the value builder itself, they begin to have an understanding of things that they ought to be doing and they're not doing. We have used that for members every year. This is the second year we used it as well for them to be able to assess the performance of their businesses. So as a business performance tool, we have leveraged that on our platform for all the entrepreneurs. And it kind of sets them on a path of what they ought to be doing in their businesses and the areas that they need to concentrate on for the year in a kind of simple way. In terms of outside of platform, in this environment, we'll say that it is not like the environment in the United States, Canada, and the rest of those places where the M&A market is so strong. And so you'll find the value proposition for the system is really about a business growth strategy and how to move from that structure you started with. You know, the business has now grown. It's a starting structure and it needs to grow and expand. So where we have been seeing the value builder system most helpful is for businesses that are poised on going to the next level. They have outgrown their original structures. They have developed profitable business models, but the structure and the strategy does not match where they ought to be going. And if they do not apply the right strategies, they will either stagnate and die or they will continue to struggle. So we have seen some businesses in that arena that have been benefiting a lot from the value builder. Then we have businesses that are in very high competitive industry sectors where they are fighting a lot of competition and they don't have much strategies. They don't have any strategies to fight competition. So we have aspects of the value builder like monopoly control that has been able to help them to create significant competitive advantage. We've been seeing that very helpful to clients as well. That's wonderful. I was just going to add about the hub and spoke. That is another tremendous resource as well for clients. That is where we've got the most of our testimonies from. We find that the Brainmaker exercise is a very powerful idea for them. They have an idea that, yes, this is happening, but they don't know it's that much. So seeing the number of hours that they use and uh, seeing how far they are from what they do and what their core competences are, it's great to just see that aha moment and see how they say this has to stop. They are most active in terms of doing that exercise and reducing those hours. We do have two clients right now who have started to implement, who have not just reduced the hours, but they are sticking to the areas of their core competencies and actually trying to make the transition into the architect type activities. So Lottie, I'm so glad you brought that up because the Rainmaker Dilemma is one of my favorite exercises. And that's actually one that Eric and I have not really explained or gone into in our last few episodes. Yeah, we really haven't covered it was, that. It's a part of the uh, Hub and Spoke, but could, we never really went into Could it. you expand a bit on that when you're talking about architect hours? I think people would love to hear you say that. What does that mean? Yes, well, the architect hours, I think it's where you concentrate more on business processes and also really building a team that will be able to really drive the objectives of the company in a nutshell. And you'll find out that most entrepreneurs, that especially 
those that I was talking about who have started running a successful business, but they have not really, at the beginning, they were rainmakers, but they continue to do that. And the business has now reached a point where it should grow beyond that. But apart from that, you have the business owner spread very thin. This is really actually a cause of pain for the entrepreneurs when they start to talk about it and not having enough time and just they're not experiencing that joy that they expected in the business. So the Rainmaker exercise is where they look at their current activities and what they have been doing and they're able to identify, they're able to see just how much they are spending how much time they are spending on activities that they shouldn't even be spending time on. In fact, some of them were able to say, oh, but I know this person in the company could do this. Why am I even doing this? How did I get to be doing this? So they find themselves doing this because they've been doing it from the beginning. They've never stopped to ask, why are we really doing this? So it's really that moment for them where they take a critical look at what they're actually doing in the business. I also want to add that one of the things that they have identified, one of them actually told me, looking at the things that I'm good at and the things that I love doing these things, the architect type activities, building processes, creating strategy for my business, and I'm not spending enough time on that. Look, I'm spending all of my time on these other things. But you know, if I was spending more time on this strategy and these processes and the marketing funnels for my business, my business could be even bigger than this. I could be doing much more than this. How did I get here? I would say that this is really one of the greatest tools for the businesses, especially the type of businesses that I interact with. And I always look forward. In fact, we spend a lot of time, more time than we should on the Hub and Spoke module as a result. But this is actually coming out of the fact that it's a huge problem for the business. It so is, Lottie. And you probably are not spending too much time on that. I know so many business owners I speak with, I say, why did you start your business? And they say, I wanted to follow my dreams. I wanted to have a better lifestyle, make more money. So I ask them, are you following your dreams? How is your lifestyle? And they say, no, I'm stressed out out of my mind. And this exercise really helps put a great framework around that. How could I be spending my time better? Absolutely. And I like Lottie is getting you to realize how did I get here? But more importantly is what are the practical things that I can do to actually put me in a better position to focus more on working on my business instead of in my business? Not just how did I get here, but how do I get how do there? I, how do yeah, I get there? Yes. Yeah. Well, Lottie, this is fantastic. I know just because we're such a sucker for stories, I know you can't mention names, but just anonymously, any stories about any other drivers? that you've seen people really struggle with and how they overcame that, how you're able to help them overcome it? I would say, like I mentioned earlier, the monopoly control driver is one that has been hugely helpful. As a matter of fact, all the clients that we have dealt with have been in their highly competitive industries. Not just that, they have not really approached the competition as see what the competition is doing and especially competition that is doing well and become like them. And of course, we know that that is not really going to solve the problem. So we have this client who is in the highly competitive optometrics sector, 
in Trinidad, mm-hmm. which is more or less a saturated market if you want to look at it that way. You know, lots of competition. When you look at the marketing, you go on their websites and their Facebook, everybody virtually marketing the same thing, marketing the same way. It was really a challenge for even us in the beginning, just trying to identify the differentiator. Because in this case, is really how to identify where you're unique, how you're unique. And I would say that we have still not got to the end of it yet, but the organization has been able to use the learnings of the monopoly control and the exercise to understand and to begin to craft a mode for themselves. They have decided to focus on a particular niche in the industry. So they are niching down as a result of understanding that you can't compete this way. You look like everybody else. And the reason why it's so tough for you is simply because of how you're marketing, which is what the monopoly control, in addition to helping you to finding out how you are unique, it helps to make your marketing more effective. So this company is in the process. It's not completely reached the end of it yet, but it's in the process of revamping the marketing, having identified the best way they could position themselves in the market to make themselves more defendable. And so, like I said, we are still working on it, but I'm excited as to what I'm seeing emerging. Also, the fact that we started off, it was almost like a helpless case. We provide the same service. We provide the same products. This is how there's almost like a culture of how these things go and how the business is. So we carve out any differentiators from this. So that's one. And it's not just that business as well. Like I said, all the clients have problems with identifying defendable market positions in highly competitive industries. Even last week, I have that particular company that we're working on as well with respect to this issue, this problem. Excellent. Love to hear that. I would look forward to hearing how that optometry business, I think you said, is that right? Yes. I think I remember actually we met them when we visited there. Look so much forward to seeing that end result there. Have they started to see changes yet as far as their margins and revenue, or is it still too early in the process to see that show up in their financial statements? It is something that I think they have started to see some changes, although from the financial aspect, we haven't drilled down to that that as yet. I also want to add that they also implemented some actions, even using a proprietary piece of equipment that adds unique value to the entire value chain for the customer. And again, is coming out of this whole monopoly control discussion. And right now we're in the prototyping phase of it, and we're looking to see how that impacts on the business. Based on what this equipment does, I am very sure that they're going to make some great inroads. Fantastic. Love to hear it and looking forward to hearing the remainder of the story there. So Lottie, as we're kind of winding down our conversation, I know Eric and I are just so fascinated by different cultures around the world and how they're similar and how they're different. Any thoughts on what aspects of these value drivers are applicable in your culture versus maybe some variations that you've had to introduce because you are in a different culture? I hope I answer this question. I think it's mostly in terms of the value proposition, like I mentioned earlier. It's not so much as selling your business because 
really that has not quite caught on much here. Although, yes, we do have businesses that are being sold, but not to the degree in other markets. Like I mentioned, it's more about the business growth rather than value building. Although we do let people understand how useful this would be for you to build value into your business in the key areas that gives you more options. That's the way we look at it. And we create awareness about the options. So the culture here, and there are quite a lot of family businesses, by the way. So succession planning, transitioning to the next generation is also something that is very significant in this. So, and again, the value builder really helps to prepare a business in such a way that is strengthened enough for the next generation to be able to run on the tracks that they would have built around the business. These are, as we know, all of the value builder modules really, really contribute to really strengthening a business in a very, very foundational way. Then also in terms of strategy, virtually when you look at the modules, it's really all about strategy in the right places, which is something, again, we have a lot of businesses that would be operating more or less without strategy on autopilot for a very significant period of time. When we look at this, this is really why we have a lot of businesses don't transition to the next generation and just a few transition to the second generation in terms of the family businesses. And for the rest of them, they just kind of struggle. That again, you find that the modules, especially that apply to that, really helping. And then, like I mentioned, we looked at it being so involved in the business that the business cannot thrive without you is a huge, huge problem, right? right. And so yeah. we find that again, the value yeah. builder really becomes yeah. well. Yes. So mm-hmm. the culture where you look at the business as dependent on you, you're very proud of that. Changing their that mindset, helping them to understand and seeing that really this is not really helping my business, that makes a value builder very, very powerful for this culture. So these dimensions uh, of our own issues and the challenges, what applies most to the value builder. Amazing. Thanks so much for sharing. I know there's so much more to say, and we look forward to more conversations with you. As always, we love and enjoy our time we get to spend with you. We're looking forward to hopefully seeing you in person in your beautiful country again soon. And thanks again for joining us. Your sharing, I think, is just such testament and proof to the amazing things you're doing there in your market, right? You're having an impact on the people there in Trinidad and really playing a big role in helping the individual organization strengthen and in your own way, also your local economy. And Lai, I just say thank you for all that you do, all the wonderful things that you're doing. And we wish you blessings yourself on you personally and on the NCB and the membership there and all the good people of Trinidad and Tobago. Thank you so much, David and Eric. It's really been a pleasure. And thanks for being in the background somewhere, continuing to build our capacity. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye.